Hey guys, I'm Jude. And I'm Asia. And we are the Sephoros. Now, we've always wanted to start a podcast, and we wanted that podcast to be about relationships and about culture and about God and so much more. Um, and the goal of it was to really kind of encourage others and help others along the way, as well as we also gaining some encouragement and help from others. We have known each other for over 10 years, and we've learned a lot. So we want to talk about it and share some of what we've been through in hopes that it will bless and encourage you. Now, along the way, we're going to talk to a whole bunch of our friends, as well as some experts in, you know, different topics and different areas that we're going to be sharing. All the while sipping on some virgin cocktails. You know, because we don't drink alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys, this is Virgin Nightcap. Toodles. I just say what the drink is since thus far you've been making me say every single drink. I don't know if I've been making you say anything. Yeah, you actually have. Okay. Go back. Go back. And re listen to the first and second and third episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tonight. We have, get your drinks, get your drinks. We have blush because we were talking about it so much last time. Wait, was it in episode two? Um, I oh, no, wanna... no, no, no. We have rose. That's what it was. We had blush in episode two. We wanted rose. I think so. Yeah. And I, I can't remember, to be honest. And well, well, let me remember for you. Well, that is a taste you can't beat. That is, that's what I said. We were slightly disappointed last time because we had blush. Still very good. Even though I ended up finishing off the bottle by myself afterwards. I don't think you enjoyed it as much. Well, you know, I don't drink. This is true. Juices. As, as such, water and coffee is my, like, go-to in life. And she had to pick when she'd pick coffee. She's an addict. Water is just to survive. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's tasty. This is a good one. It is real good. Did you mix it with anything? Nope. Straight. Just straight? Straight. Mm. Rosé. But. I don't know. Should I tell the peoples? What? That you wanted to mix it with something else? No, 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 no. So, I didn't always not drink. What do you mean? <sighs> Whatever do you mean? <laughs> I mean, in my past, I've had an alcoholic beverage once or twice or thrice. Unbelievable. You think you know some people. <laughs> <laughs> you already knew this, though. Rosé was was one of the tolerable ones. Rosé's not... We're not drinking alcohol. I know that. This is fake rosé. Yes, this is true. But it just brings back memories of the fact that uh, rosé wasn't so bad. As far as alcohols go. Mm. I don't think I really drank rosé. I will 
say just um ASMR. every once in a while until our oldest falls asleep we may have to go into his bedroom to kind of you know get him to lay back down so currently we are speaking kind of softly right now and like i'm watching this monitor and this guy is about to stand up again <laughs> that, that's number three Okay, so for like all the parents out there, I have come to understand the um, excitement in the moment that you put your kids to bed because you're like, freedom. Well, not freedom, but like, not not so much freedom, but you're like, oh, I can sit down, I can relax. To be honest. I'm still on edge. Well, yeah, because he won't sleep. Not, not even just tonight. In general, when we put him down, I'm still like, something happens. No. I feel like as a parent, until they're old enough to be like, all right, take care of yourself. Well, you know, get, bathe your own self. Yeah, but uh, I'm more so thinking of like, you know, because he's still has difficulties sleeping straight through the night. <clears throat> I think you just said our son's name. We'll bleep it out. We'll have to bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done a good job of not saying his name. No, we've not. been terrible. We've actually been terrible. We've, been we've their said name. everybody's name. Yeah, oh, everybody so else's many names. names. But we haven't said our children's name. I um, think. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe. <clears throat> anyway welcome to the show welcome back um i think last time we kind of got a we got a little deep with the conversation you know we hit we hit on some stuff um but we we did hit some some kind of deep stuff we talked Mm -hmm. about kind of abuse in relationships and Mm -hmm. kind of some of the abuse that we experienced Mm-hmm. In our relationships, if, um, you, if you guys want to hear a part two or an extended version, let us know in the comments, and we'll get the whole thing out to them, and we'll write it in blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because honestly, for the most part, we do trim off a lot of like banter in the beginning. Well, anyway, what I'm <clears throat> don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Um. Tell someone close to you, preferably a family member, because, uh, well, one, they're the people that you love, and they're the people that care about you most in this life, mm-hmm. and uh, they are your biggest support I know we didn't tell our family members when we were going through this and we probably should have it probably would have helped a lot but I think the problem is is that you feel so much confusion and shame attached to it and a lot of times there's a lot of mind games you think you love that person or that other person you know just messes with you mentally Mm. and um 
you don't think that you can or you don't, you're afraid to tell somebody. But you should. And you should also tell, um, like, your, uh, I mean, I would recommend, I don't know what you think, but just talking to your pastor, you know, talking yeah, to mean, some form of count, think, good counsel, good spiritual counsel. Right. I think good spiritual counsel is very important. Um, but I also do think it's important to, you know, make sure whoever it is that you're talking to, especially if this is something that you, it's a problem for you. Mm-hmm. Make sure the person you're talking to is also a professional. You know, yes. I know. You know, it, in case in case we haven't mentioned it, I am black. I'm pretty sure we mentioned it in the first <laughs> episode because I believe my wife said I am a blackity black black. Is I believe blackity the term Mick black black. Oh, I'm so Thank sorry, you. blackity Mick black black. I apologize. You're yes, welcome. I am blackity Mick black black, <laughs> and she's also black. And I know there's that stigma within our culture that we don't really do therapists. Yeah. I don't which I think is weird, which I think is pretty dumb. It is weird. And I'm not sure where that stems from because just historically speaking, if anybody needs therapy, it was African Americans <laughs> <laughs> at that point. But I think... But I think it goes back to like, you know, well, we're we're so strong. We can get through anything. We help ourselves. But really, we can't. That's not always <laughs> that's not always the case. That's the purpose of community and community and the body of Christ especially is that, you know, when one person is suffering, another person can assist or uplift or help or encourage or right. teach or, you know, give. You know, we're all part of one body, so we should all be working together. We should. Mm. That, that, that is ideally what should be happening. But we know... And again, I think I don't even necessarily just want to say it's only I don't even necessarily want to say that it's only a cultural thing. Yes, cultural base. You have there are stigmas within cultures. Yes. But I know of plenty of black people Mm -hmm. who have gone to see therapists and have talked about how great of an experience it was for them and for their life. Um, But then obviously I also know a lot of black people who don't. And from my point of view, mm-hmm. being African, I don't think I know of an African that has gone to see a therapist. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, I feel weird about therapists, but I, in the sense that I don't trust, like, secular therapists because... Secular therapists, I feel like be telling you all types of crazy bad advice. Like, well, hold on, I don't necessarily want to say all. Okay, maybe not all. Because but, I do know of some secular therapists that have given some incredible advice. That's fine, but I guess what I guess I would say be very selective about your therapist. Number one, and number two, I think it's best to have a therapist that aligns with your 
uh, morals and your um, spiritual views. If you want, yeah. if that's what you feel comfortable, then yeah, Beca- definitely. Because Which is, it, it, there are a lot of pastors too for that reason that are going to get uh, degrees in counseling. In, in counseling and therapy so that yes. way they can be better or do better yes. for people who come to them. Because I think it's so important because we're not just we're not just living this life to live this life for us. We're living this life to live it to the best that we can, to the glory of God and to show his glory and everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Like we don't just we don't just say that we're Christians. We everything we do is reflects it. And how we live our life reflects it and how we deal with our problems, you know, there's a way that we deal with our problems versus the way other people might deal with their problems. Somebody might, uh, if they get mad at somebody, somebody might cuss them out or punch them in the face. But as a Christian, because of what we believe, we're not going to act that way. And therefore, if you're getting advice from anyone, it should align with those principles so that you don't fall. Agreed. Agreed. And and I think that's why you said, you know, talk to your pastor. You know, as as Christians, I think if you're trusting them mm-hmm. to be that spiritual leader, that shepherd for you, trust them to also give you advice. Right. Right. Sound advice. Right. And, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, too, with, you know, cultural backgrounds. And I guess our experiences, how it shaped who we are. Now, we Is this a segue? Kind of back into into <laughs> what, what we wanted to kind of have a conversation about today. Mm. Technically tonight. Because it is currently eleven thirty. Oh my goodness! How but, we should have had therapists. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. cultural backgrounds. Now we're going to use our own as kind of like this example. Cultural backgrounds and how it can affect a relationship. A relationship, yeah. A uh, what do you call it? Uh, Romantic relationship. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Words. Um, but, you know, and, and I think we've mentioned already, if not in this episode and mm-hmm. past episodes, that I am African. I was born in Ghana. I came to this country when I was seven. Yes. You know, but I still remember wow. a good deal mm-hmm. of my experiences in Ghana. Mm-hmm. I may not remember a lot of names, you know. I, I think even when we were getting married, mm-hmm. there were people my parents like brought up. Oh, Jude, do you remember? Do you remember this 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 uncle? You know, when we were in Ghana, he did this and he did that and he did this and he did that. I'm just like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah, not really. Yeah, and now that I think you know, of it, I don't, I don't remember. You, know, I don't remember the stuff that you tell me, which you might hear tonight, guys. 
I'm like, how do you just think and remember that? Because I don't remember a lot of stuff from being that young. Mm. Well, it, it's it's not necessarily remembering the whole thing, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's a specific aspect of it that when you remember that thing, everything else kind of comes flooding, <laughs> flooding back in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how sometimes people are able to catalog their life through music. Mm-hmm. They can tell you what song they were listening to the first time they got on the plane, mm-hmm. what song they were they heard when, you know, they they saw a horse for the first time. A horse. Yeah, I use that as an example because <laughs> Joe. I remember I was having a conversation with Joe, um, and he told me about how music is so important to him and music music means so much to him that he can tell you the exact song he was listening and he told me the exact song (laughs) he was listening to the first time he saw a horse i'm like that's crazy i can't tell you the song the first time what does he mean the first time he saw a horse I don't understand how that that sentence is is, is confusing. <laughs> I'm confused as to what aspect of that sentence is confusing. Because there are so many instances where you you can see a horse. And I can like, count the number of horses I've everybody's seen in my life seen a on horse. one hand. Everybody's seen a horse in real life. Was he talking about real life? In person, yes. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, I think for me, that, you know, to kind of get us back to where we, what we were talking about, <laughs> for me, the only reason why I remember so much is I, I'm, I'm a visual mm. person. I'm, I'll remember yeah, stuff and how kind of like it happened, mm-hmm. but I may not necessarily be able to tell you what was said the names that were mentioned, the names of the people who were involved, Mm -hmm. especially if I don't like know the person very, very well. Sure. You know, I remember in Ghana, there's only one name that really sticks out to me Mm -hmm. in Ghana. We used to live in this compound. Um, and there were people, other people that lived in that compound. I only remember one person's name. His name was Nadro. Nadro. Yeah. Nadro is the only name I remembered. They were like, Cool Six of them. I couldn't remember anybody else's name. Nadro is the only name that sticks out to me. What does that mean? Mm, I can find out for you. It's dope. He sounds like a superhero, like a comic book superhero. I'm Nadro or a villain. I'm Nadro. Are you finished? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but when I think of, you know, my life in Ghana, one of the things that definitely sticks out of my head is just that upbringing, mm-hmm. how our parents raised us. Um, you know, I'm one of four. Mm-hmm. I am the third born, the best position, um, <laughs> the third born of four siblings. Mm-hmm. I have an older brother, an older sister, and a younger brother. But the tough life that we had mm. in Ghana, you and I talked about this like in the past you know, a lot, oh, and I yes. think especially during our dating time, mm-hmm. um, 
we 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 went through some things. We went through a lot. Mm-hmm. Not having food to eat, lights being turned off. That might have been kind of like a a general thing for everybody. <laughs> Donna, blackout. Donna, yeah, the blackouts is ridiculous. <laughs> but <sighs> still, like I remember, I remember countless times not having money to get a taxi to come home from school. So we walked. You know, mm-hmm. I remember us not having enough money to make it all the way. So you'd walk halfway <laughs> and then get a taxi for the rest of the rest of the drive. Now, imagine you and your family are about to go to church. You don't have enough money to get everybody to church. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna walk a certain distance, then you're gonna get into a taxi and then take that taxi to church. Now you've planned it out. You've got your tithe in hand and your offering. Once you give everything, you're now out of money. How do you get home? Hey. <laughs> I hope you wear comfortable shoes. I'm like oh. it's, Was it's, it far? Yeah. To walk, it would have been it would have been a travel. Hmm. I mean you had to take a taxi. So first of all, first of all, even the thought, maybe it's like because we're in America and stuff, but even the thought of letting like our kids, our anybody's kids, hop in a taxi and then walk—I don't know—miles yeah. to school it would be so dangerous here. Yeah, here. But I think the only reason why it'd be that way is because life has People been suck. set up that way. If you think <laughs> about, if you think about before, you know vehicles even really became a thing Mm -hmm. if children were trying to go places or even families were trying to go places you were packing up and walking that was a normal thing yeah but i just feel like it was safer like people were more decent than than now it's almost like people are looking for an opportunity to do bad to people and to do bad in general well, yeah, Wicked. I mean, it's like I remember the roads, I mean, that, the roads that we would have to like cross mm-hmm. sometimes. Those roads, no car stops for a human being if you're crossing that road. Doesn't matter. The car is going to fly. If it's doing 80 miles an hour, when it hits you, it's going to continue driving 80 miles an hour. Jeez. Like it, they were dangerous roads. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I. I we weren't born. We we were not born in a time where we we are currently are assuming it was safer. We don't know. But I guess it was it was normal because probably everybody did it, or a lot of people did it. What the crossing of the, the streets? Yeah, it's it like letting their kids walk to school. It depends. It depends where. There are mm-hmm. some places where it's not advised because most more often than none, anyone who tries to cross the street there gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So like maybe you'll have to walk a little further down to a much more safer area to cross and then cross there and then backtrack you know, back to wherever you need to go. But that upbringing that we had, no matter what it is that we went through, we did not know we were poor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, on some level, we did. <laughs> kids, kids are not as as oblivious as a lot of adults, you know, may make out. But 
it regardless of the fact that we knew we didn't have money my parents did not make us to cry about that fact mm-hmm. you know i remember there were times where you know something would happen to my food that we're eating already there isn't enough to go around but something would happen and my parents were like here take mine and that's like obviously a parent will always do that but as a child you don't think about that you just think about oh man look how great my parents are (laughs) (laughs) they just gave me their food just provided more look Mm -hmm. at that that's awesome you know but even at those young age too they made it very clear to us that it wasn't even them that was doing it it is god mm-hmm. i definitely remember this one moment um my mom my dad was at you know at, at the church that's where he worked so my dad was at the church and we were at home there was no food in the house. There was no money in the house to even go got, go out and get food. Mm-hmm. And my mom sat me, Dorcas, and Daniel together. I think Samuel was not there at the time. He might have been out. But my mom sat the three of us down and said, hey, we're going to pray mm-hmm. that God will bless us. Because right now we need we need money to go buy food. Mm-hmm. that's all she said it, we did a short prayer We it had to have been like <laughs> you know a, a 20 30 second prayer I thought you were going to say 20 30 minutes nah. <laughs> short <laughs> we, prayer we, short. we were young we were like mm-hmm. 4 or 5 years old Daniel must have been like 4 years old uh-huh. you know Dirkus maybe she might have been 6 but we were, we were very young. My mom just said, let's do a prayer. We prayed. We said, amen. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like it was out of a movie. <laughs> Thinking back to it now. Mm-hmm. We say amen. Is that the knock? <laughs> that was the knock at the door. The most African so, knock. <laughs> so those, those of us who are African, those of us who are Ghanaians listening, you all know what Kokoko um, is right. We all know that's a knock. We also we also know what happens with, what to say when you say "ago." What's that? <laughs> so "ago" is like a a term that you say when you're like going into like um, someone. So like, say if I come home and like maybe you're in the kitchen and mm-hmm. I say, "Oh, I go." It's almost like announcing my presence and asking, like, hey, is anyone here? Um, <laughs> it just reminds me of when our eldest son, when he comes home now, he's like, hello. <laughs> Even when we're all coming home together, yeah. Anybody in home? Empty, in empty house, yeah. Anybody home? <laughs> it's like, honey, <laughs> no one's home. <laughs> but again, we say amen. We get a knock on the door and a friend of the family is like, hey, you know, I'm just something just I felt like God was telling me to just come give you guys this. Hands up my mom an envelope and there's money in there. Mm. I'm like, and look, come see us. We are so happy. God answered our prayers. God answered. And like when you're when you're a <laughs> child, especially when you're a child going through a lot of these things that you're not quite 
you don't quite have an understanding of mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. When you have that childlike faith mm-hmm. behind everything that you do, it's just beautiful to see when God answers mm-hmm. your prayer. So, like, obviously, you know, we were super, super excited. But, like, that taught us something. You know, obviously, it's something I can I can recall and it, it, it was a major impact on my life. Mm-hmm. And now I can think back to like, hey, no matter what you're going through, remember mm-hmm. God did it for you when you were five years old. Yeah. You know, for you, your, your siblings and your parents and your family, when you didn't have anything, God did it for you. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that I can use to kind of encourage myself to move forward mm-hmm. whenever we hit a wall or we struggle with something or, you know, whatever it is, you know, by God's grace, money is not really an issue for us. Right. You know, we both work very hard. We, we do well and we're smart with how <laughs> we're spend we're spending our money by God's grace. But that doesn't mean if, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to do something, a project or maybe whatever it is, I can't, you know, recall that moment in my life and just be reminded of God's grace in our Mm -hmm. life, you know, and that was, that was, that was, it wasn't long after that, that, you know, we started the process for coming to America. Um, I remember the very first place that we lived in in Ghana was this tiny, oh my goodness, when I say tiny, right now, our living room, how big would you say this living room is from that wall to this wall? Mm. 15 feet? Yeah, like 15 by 12 or 10. Right? It's Mm -hmm. a decent size. I'd say that's how big the whole apartment that we lived in in Ghana was. Hey, there's a lot of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a bathroom mm-hmm. to that space, and that was my parents' bedroom. They slept on the floor in that room. Mm-hmm. Me... My little brother, my sister slept on a, I believe it was, I believe it was a, a, a king size. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's a king size mattress, like a foam mattress. Um, in that one space, that living room space slash kitchen slash family room <laughs> slash every room. Right. We, that's where we slept. There was a bed there that we slept in. And my older brother, right outside the door to that space, it's where my older brother slept on the floor outside in the corridor. Mm. You know, and that's crazy. First of all, there was a corridor. Well, okay, so it was a big house. It was a big house that someone was just renting out the rooms. Mm-hmm. And what we could, the room we could afford was a tiny room with a bathroom that the bathroom didn't really work, but mm. was used as a bedroom. Mm. Um so my older and we didn't. My older brother slept out in the corridor because there was no room inside. He used to. I remember times where he would sleep in there, but most of the time he slept out in the corridor, right outside, like literally right outside. Um, it's almost like imagine us being in our bedroom. You open the door, and our oldest son is sleeping <laughs> right in front of the door. That was where my older brother slept. 
um and like basically that corridor that he where he slept led right outside mm-hmm. every night you know at a certain point the home the house owner would close close the gate and lock it mm-hmm. to keep burglars from from coming in right but that's still dangerous it is dangerous it was a, it was a gate that had like they had gaps in there so like animals like snakes and stuff could easily come in not right. a problem for them Obviously, burglars. So he was sleeping outside then. Somewhat, it was pretty much he was sleeping outside. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, and then we went from there to like a penthouse. Now you're probably wondering how in the world did that happen? There was someone in the church that was traveling mm-hmm. for a long time and said, "Hey, use the space. I'm not going to be there." So, used the space. I'm like, word. Like, I remember my parents had their own bedroom. Mm-hmm. Me and my siblings had our own. Well, we had a, a bedroom that the three of us slept in. And my older brother had another sm- small room to himself. Instead of sleeping on the, ho- the, the corridor, he had a bedroom. And we had a living room and we had a kitchen. And then I think we had one more bedroom that. Uh, one of the church members also used. Hmm. Um, but that was that was like they say. There's there's the term night and day. <laughs> I don't think that terms can really apply here because it was. A significant difference. Mm-hmm. Night and day is not a good enough description of the difference between what we were, where we were, versus that penthouse. And then from that penthouse, we worked on our visa and everything, and yeah. made our way to here to here in America. Um, but you know, fast forward, we get on a plane, ten hour flight, a ten hour flight that I threw up twice. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> it was my first time on a plane. Not, Aww, and I was like, oh, this you is not, still don't like flying. I still don't like flying. But you don't I, throw up though. Yeah, no, I don't throw up now because <laughs> I'm, I'm a grown man. <laughs> grown men <laughs> throw up. Hour flight. Yes, it's far. Gone as far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nowadays, it, it's rare to find a straight flight. Mm, yeah. I mean, you can get them, but most of the time, people are gonna stop like in Germany or something. You know, make it a five and five. Um, instead of a 10 hour flight, but we get here. I remember what we had for breakfast. I don't remember what day of the week it is. Mm. I don't remember. I just know that we got here and my aunt and uncle met us at the airport. Two of my aunts and one uncle met us at the airport and my grandpa and my grandpa bought us Dunkin' Donuts and Coca-Cola. That was the first meal I had when I came to America, was Dunkin' Donuts and Coca-Cola. And it was like an old-fashioned, because I was someone, I was very picky, <laughs> more so because I didn't trust it. I'm like, what the heck is this? This looks weird. It's nah. got a hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> We had donuts. Yeah, we had donuts and Coca Cola. 
And then I remember all of us being packed into multiple cars. And that's why there was multiple family members there. So that way we can all get home because there's six members of my family. Yeah. Two parents, four siblings, six of us. So there needed to be multiple cars. We all got packed into a car, cars, and we came to my aunt's place. I remember, I remember looking back through the back window at the airport. Is this in Virginia or Connecticut? This is Connecticut. Connecticut. I remember looking through that back window at the airport as we're driving off. And that's all I remember from the moment we left the airport to just arriving at my aunt's place. Mm. She had a one-bedroom apartment that she lived in with her with her husband. And that night, me and my family, our six-member family, slept on my aunt's living room floor all together, the happiest we could have ever been. We're now in we we are in America. Like it was that was so exciting. But boy, did we get a shock when we realized that oh, this is very different. Yeah. This is very different from Ghana. If you were to sleep out in the corridor, you might get the cops called on you. It's like, yo, there's some weirdo sleeping in the corridor here. It's different. You can't make noises. You can't do certain things. First of all, Connecticut, that mother lover is cold. <laughs> yes. What, did you come in winter? No, we came in during the summer. Aye. So we had a false sense. You were like, America's great. I think, I think one of the biggest shocks to us Again, we got here. We got here in June. One of the biggest shocks to us was at six thirty, seven o'clock. The sun is still up in the air <laughs> in Ghana at six o'clock. It's pitch black. Really? Makes so it's no like sense. Winter time here. Yeah, in Ghana, it's at six o'clock. It's dark all the time, though. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. All seasons. Yeah. <laughs> that was normal. That wow. was the norm. Or at the very least, at six o'clock, it started to get dark. Like, it, it, that was not, this is not normal to have the sun up at 730. Like, it made no sense to us. It made absolutely no sense to us. But it was something we had to get used to, you know. Um. It's, it was just a, it was just very very different, but what did help us is being close to family. Right. We were still able to hold on to some of that culture, mm-hmm. at least until we started school. Mm. That changed very quickly in Ghana. You can get very rough, like the culture there. It's just very like you playing with your friends. You're like bleeding their body under recess. <laughs> You can get very rough. Couldn't do that here. I remember we were playing tag at school, and I pulled someone's shirt, and I had to go inside and write, I will not pull other people's shirt. <laughs> you know when you have, whenever the teachers give you the loose that. leaf and you have to write that on every single line, front and back? Yeah. Uh, first of all... I'm not trying to call that school racist, but that school was racist. Or on the on the chalkboard. Yeah. 
that school was definitely racist because I was not the only one doing it, but I was the only one singled out. Hmm. I sounded different. I looked different. You were easy to pick out. Very easy to pick out. And I was also like taller than everybody else. That was definitely one of those things. I was just like, man, this is, I don't like this. Hmm. Things are very different. The food tastes weird. I had to get used to the food. My mom had to constantly make comparisons to African foods before I can eat American foods. Spaghetti. We have spaghetti in Ghana, but we don't call it spaghetti. We call it talia. So my aunt goes, hey, you want some spaghetti? And I'm looking at her, and I look at my older brother, then I look at her. <laughs> uh, talia. Like, you, you don't want talia. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Once she said the, the tree version, I'm like, yeah, sure, no, no problem. <laughs> French fries, they don't want to touch the stuff. I don't know. They're like the best things ever. <laughs> Fried yams. Yeah, they don't want, that's that's what my mom said. <laughs> but yeah, I got you. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. Where's the pepper? <laughs> exactly. There's no pepper to put on the well, side. Where's the pepper? Ketchup. <laughs> but my mom constantly had to make those comparisons because all all I knew was my culture. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. You guys were probably so cute. <laughs> Every time I see pictures of him, oh, oh no. my gosh, oh, he's no. so I still, cute. I did look like no, I know where our kids I get it from. To be fed, though. <laughs> That's that much is true. I'll, I'll wow. admit it. But you guys were so cute, and I can just imagine you saying the spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. There, there were certain aspects of my culture that just like never changed just because when you come home from school, you come home from work, you come home from wherever, your culture is inside your home. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that never was ever going to change. You know, my parents holding like holding hands. Mm-hmm. That was something they learned to do. I should say, I should say, that was something they learned to do around us. Yeah. Because I've seen plenty of photos of them holding hands. You know, that was something they did when it was just them. But it wasn't something that we saw. This wasn't something that we saw. Um, there were certain, there was just so many things. And honestly, I can, I can keep going on and on about it, mm-hmm. but how that affected our relationship I feel like I feel like it's going to be hard for me to just I guess I can talk about it but I kind of want to hear your side because I've been talking for the last a long time how long? a long time how long time is that? I'm afraid to look 45 minutes <laughs> this might have to be a two-parter it's a life story it's a life story so what was the question well so i kind of talked about my culture and you know and i think different from yours uh, my culture started out in another country brought me here and then mm-hmm. i had to basically mix my culture with the culture that i moved into but you not quite the same. No, no, you're not. Not really. Well, I was born here in America. I, I'm American. I'm American. I'm just 
So yeah, I mean, I was born in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, it was just me, uh, my younger sister, uh, who has Down syndrome. Um, in terms of siblings. In terms of siblings, yes. I have one biological sister. Uh, so it was me, my, my sister, and my dad, and my mother for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Uh, um... So, why are you staring at me like that? I can't stare at you. But, um, so yeah, so, um, it was us four until I was about 11 years old. Uh, Actually, I was 10, so it was just before my 11th birthday but my mother had been struggling with breast cancer for quite a while um i think it kind of started after uh she had my sister back in 1994 and uh she got the diagnosis and they actually told her that she wasn't going to like you know, make it, you know, they told her that, uh, you know, it was going to kill her. And she went to, I know she went to several doctors, high and low tests, you name it, different cities. Um, And I think one pastor that we knew actually, actually prayed for her. Um, and she ended up, uh, living for years. And then, cause I was back in 1994. So I was probably three years old at the time. So she ended up living until I was 10 years old. <clears throat> and, um, I don't know. It's like it's kind of it's kind of a blur because um it was it was weird because my my mother was a very strong woman. Mm-hmm. Um she was quiet and like reserved, but she was also like really funny, really loving and like I don't know, she was just you felt you felt very safe with her. You could feel her strength. It was like I never knew growing up that she was sick. Mm. You know, it was like the fact that she didn't have hair and wore wigs <laughs> was like, oh, that's just my, you know, right. it's just, that's just well, well, the my rest, mom's hair. Every household is like this. It's yeah, kind of like, it's yeah. just this is my mom's hair. Like she doesn't go. She goes to the doctor a lot, and sometimes I would go with her. Mm-hmm. So I'd go with her to chemotherapy. She would take me because, you know, she was home. She worked, but she worked a lot of like part-time jobs. She was mostly like a stay-at-home. Mm-hmm. 
um, mom, my dad worked for an insurance company and he made pretty decent money. So at the time, so, um, but we still live like in the South side of Bethlehem, which wasn't really like, you know, the suburbs by any means. And uh, we lived in like a half a house. Pretty much, it was one big house. A duplex. Yeah, yeah, duplex. It's a one house that they split in half. Um, but yeah, we lived there, and I just, I, it didn't really cross my mind that she was really like struggling with something. It was just normal. She never mm. let on that she felt bad, even chemotherapy, because it makes you feel sick and things like that. Like I just never knew that it was um that bad i guess it was just normal i guess for me but it wasn't until like i was 10 and um you know it just again i'm not really sure what happened it was almost like one day she was fine and the next minute she wasn't um it probably started when i turned 10 now that I think about it, because I was having, um, she gave me, she threw me a surprise birthday party at our house. Mm. And um, it was really cool. Like she invited off like our friends and family and she got a like a big moon bounce in mm. our, I mean, we had like the tiniest backyard in <laughs> all the land like it it couldn't even be considered a backyard it was just like a patch of grass so the moon the moon bounce literally filled the oh, entire tired. backyard so it was like our 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 back porch out of our basement and then moon bounce and i think i had a piñata too i had a piñata that's a good birthday it was it was fantastic and it, it was a surprise and i didn't i didn't know and i i just remember we had so much fun and we had like this really old cuz i mean the house was old you know it was old and so we had like this uh, back porch old back porch I just remember we all got splinters because we were all running barefoot and stuff. We all got splinters and there was like a line in our kitchen and my mom was just taking out all the kids splinters (laughs) from the, (laughs) from there. But at that, at that time she had like, um, what do you call those things? Like a compression band on her arm. Uh, Like a kind of squeezed, um, it, Mm. it helped with her circulation. Yeah, because her arm was swelling up <clears throat> pretty good. And again, like my mom was just like, I don't know, she was just an amazing woman. <laughs> That's why I always kind of like aspire that hopefully one day I could be like her. But she um, she apparently hurt her, her arm really bad, the one that was swollen that day. Mm. Never knew. Never knew. And I think that was what started, like, with her arm swelling and everything. That's what started her uh, beginning to get pretty sick again. And um, I don't know. One thing led to another where she was just, she was really, really sick. And I just remember she had, like, like, almost, like, symptoms of 
pneumonia or something. I don't know, because my dad kind of kept it hush, and I know she didn't want to show us that she was ill. Mm. So she kind of, like, locked herself in the bedroom, in, in her bedroom, and she was really sick. And I just remember, like, I had an easy bake oven, and I just wanted mom to feel better. So, like, I baked her a cake in my easy bake oven, and I just brought it to the door. And then that was probably the first time I was let into the room. I brought it to her, um, to, like, her nightstand or to where she was in the bed, and she was just really sick. And one thing led to another. It got really bad, and she had to go to the hospital. And that was weird because, um, again, it was like she was bad, and then she was better, and she was, like, talking, and we, you know, we we would go, like, every day pretty much to, to visit her to the hospital. We would spend pretty much all our time there until they would, you know, like kick us out or until it would be time to, okay, we should probably go home and get them ready for bed and stuff like that. We would be with her in the hospital. And then again, it just like, it took like a crazy turn for the worst. It was like one day she was fine and then she wasn't like she was just gone you know Mm -hmm. um so sorry so (laughs) it got bad and um they had to put her into a coma uh because I guess she had pneumonia and then she was so weak that she couldn't take the chemotherapy or the treatments anymore and then the cancer just um, spread everywhere so it was kind of like I hate to say it but like eating her alive so when she was in the coma I don't know why but like one of the worst um, memories I have of that moment was just like her laying there you know and I would just talk to her and just um, hope that she could hear me but it scared me because like there was this machine I guess that was like um, I don't know if it was like dialysis or something but it was taking out her blood and so I just remembered all these tubes and just seeing her blood and I don't know it scared me so bad as a kid um, to just see her and to think that she was probably like in so much pain <clears throat> so I just remember one day like um <clears throat> I had made her this bracelet because my grandmother, her mom taught me how to, um, how to knit a chain. Mm -hmm. 
saw him with her bracelet. <clears throat> and um, I wrapped it around her, her wrist in the hospital room. And I just, I just uh, told her, I was like, you know what? Mom, it's okay if you have to go. I said, we'll be fine. I'll take care of dad. I'll take care of well, my sister. <laughs> um, we'll bleep that out. I said, we'll be fine. Because I just felt like she was being strong and holding on <clears throat> for us, you know? And... I want to say it wasn't long after that I was in school and I just felt like off that morning, you right. know, and I, we were in like, we had homeroom, you know, I guess most schools have homeroom. <clears throat> and I just remember like looking out of the window, it was kind of like an, somewhat overcast day kind of just like eerie day type of thing it wasn't it wasn't eerie but it wasn't sunny mm. <clears throat> you know like it was like a little bit of clouds in the sky it looked like maybe it was gonna rain or something lightly but i just remember looking out of the window and just feeling like she's gone like i don't know how to describe it but it was like I could feel that she left that day, mm. that morning. Before you found out. Before I found out. And then that, that same day at lunch, the principal came down to the lunchroom to come get me. And she said, your father's here. And that was probably the longest walk <laughs> mm. that I ever had to take. Um. So she took me to the principal's office and then um, my dad was there <clears throat> with my sister and the principal left and then he just kind of like gave me a hug and said she's gone. And then he started crying and all, all that stuff that you do <laughs> when you lose someone that you love. And um, I don't know, I was just like, I was in shock. I didn't cry. I didn't cry. Um, and I didn't cry for a long time, actually. Because I think I felt like I had to be strong. Mm. Especially because my, my father just wasn't. Like, it really broke him. You know? So... Sometimes I think at night I would cry to my cry to myself, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just didn't want to. <clears throat> I just didn't want to. Mm. I just didn't want to feel that way. Well, how, <clears throat> if I may ask, how then after her passing did that? 
did what did 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 anything change in how you lived your day to day life? Everything changed. Mm. Everything changed. I remember being like such a carefree, happy, <clears throat> goofy kid. And that was the environment. That was the cult. That kind of what your parents had built. In yeah, house. everything. Yeah. We. It was just such like um. A fun-loving household, like we just we we went on family vacations and trips, and we had memories and Christmases, and to just like pol like polar opposite, you know. Mm-hmm. My dad was depressed and angry, and and I think I went through depression myself actually for a long time and I was even angry I had a phase (laughs) you were angry why does everybody keep saying that I was angry it's just hard to picture you angry well okay angry like I've seen angry or worse than that um like, I know what your 10 is. Like, if someone said, oh, is Asia mad? And if I said yes, and they asked me, oh, she had a 10, I could tell them whether you would, you're at a 10 or not now. But maybe that was different back then. It was probably worse, but at the same time, <clears throat> I was, I, I've always tried to con- control myself like and control that part of me that was very angry mm. and I was angry for a lot of reasons but you know I just <clears throat> I felt like I had to protect myself I felt like I had to protect my sister I felt like I had to protect my father and we went through a lot of stuff it was really hard. <clears throat> there were times I wanted to run away. <laughs> but then I would be like, <coughs> oh, I don't want to leave my sister or my father to fend for them, fend for themselves. <clears throat> um, well, anyway, eventually, I want to say maybe two years, two after that uh, my dad met somebody else and then they eventually got married and she has uh, three children of her own Mm -hmm. so now uh, so then it was you know all of us (laughs) so we went from two two kids to uh Five. <laughs> I just do that. <laughs> Math is really not your strong suit, huh? No, it's not. Don't judge me. Um, and even that was tough too, right? Because I remember that conversation where my dad said, "You know, he he literally asked me. He was like, you know, I want to start dating this woman, and it had only been about two years." I clearly was not ready to, to move on. <laughs> um, understandably so. I mean, um, yeah. 
But I just remember one morning before school, he looked at me and he just said, you know, I'm lonely. And with tears in his eyes. And and then me with tears in my eyes, I said, you know, fine. <laughs> like, okay. But I wasn't okay with it. I wasn't okay with it for a long time. Lovely people. I just... <laughs> It's just yeah, we would like to clarify. <laughs> we would like to like, clarify. Honest to God, though, your your siblings, like you know, I love them. They're, they're awesome to be around. I love them. Yeah, but but it doesn't mean it wasn't easy. It was step hard for you to take. Yeah. It was very hard at the time. It was very hard at the time because I I just remember telling him like before I said okay I said like what about mom <laughs> like. Like, how could you just replace replace it, mm. you know? It just felt like everything was perfect, and then everything went to hell in a handbasket, <laughs> like in flames, <laughs> you know? And then my, it felt like my childhood was gone. Mm. So I just feel like, I, you know, I don't know. My childhood was very different, but that's, but that was part of the reason why I, f I like, I fell in like, in love with you. Cause like, I remember the first time we had a conversation where you were like really honest with me for the first time. And you told me about how you grew up mm. and. Which I would like to say up until that point, no one knew. No one I, knew what? I told people, yeah, I grew up in Ghana and life was tough. That was it. That was that was the full extent of what I told people about mm -hmm. my upbringing. Right. Other people that I have dated, there may have been one, but I think that person kind of knew mm -hmm. because she herself was there in, in Ghana. Got it. Right. But apart from that... Mm -hmm. No, I never really shared that with anybody. Mm. Well, little did you know it got you the girl. Because, <laughs> but <laughs> let me tell you about how difficult of a life I had. No, no, no. But then, but, honest to God, though, lo and behold, I'm just like, nope. I uh, as as tough as I had it, I think your experience is one no child should ever have to experience. Well, yeah, but um, I think what I lo what I loved about you, well, one of the things that I loved about you, and I don't want to say envied, but just the fact that you had love, <laughs> because I felt like I had love and then I lost it. <laughs> Dang, that's. And that's, even though that's kind of heavy. Oh, it is heavy. It feels heavy. <laughs> but, like, you guys went through so much, but you had each other. Mm -hmm. And you loved each other, and you had faith. And for so long, I felt like I was just, like, <laughs> on my own. Like, it was just me and God, you know? Mm -hmm. And even though there were people in my life, you know, new siblings, new everything, I still felt very alone. Mm -hmm. And I 
kept myself alone because I was going through a lot of things. Story for another day, but <laughs> but um, but it always just makes me remember like those days when we were very happy, and you know we did have faith and things were normal, and then you know that went away, but um. I just always admired the fact that <clears throat> you guys were so uh, connected and just, um, you know, that you did go through something and you weren't just this guy with a lot of money who came from Ghana and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wanted to, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I think for me, and I'm like looking back and trying to and 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 seeing how that upbringing, mm-hmm. how it affected, or I guess how it played a part in our relationship. You know, mm. it, <laughs> it made me stubborn. I think and closed it, off. You think with how you you grew up, it made you stubborn and closed off to other people? To you. Mm. Yeah. That is, and I think that's true because my experience made me want to be like, hey, if I'm going to bring you into this fold, Mm. you have to be more open just as I'm trying to be open with you. And I felt like sometimes that was hard to get out of you. It is hard because I, I tried very hard for a long time to keep my feelings at bay and also you know like you had you had made mention earlier on that like you know culturally like you didn't see people like holding hands and Mm. stuff often and I remember how you didn't really want to hold mine and that made me feel terrible like but for me I feel like I was very uh, sensitive to that because like, it almost felt like um, uh, not like a refusal, but like a rejection, mm. you know? I, I would just, like to clarify. It wasn't every single time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I'd never held your hand. No, but no, no. But it was a in, big deal because right. we would have conversations. You'd be like, I don't feel comfortable right. holding but your I, hand I like, I like, in public. Really like and right I'd now, be like, yeah. why don't you feel comfortable holding your girlfriend's <laughs> hand? You say you love me. Why don't you like, feel comfortable <sighs> holding my hand? But it was like a real big thing. <laughs> right, it was yeah. a real big thing. And for me, who, who, feel, who felt like... Um, you know, rejected. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and also not be received by the person that I thought I loved, you know, or that you didn't want to be seen holding hands with me or whatever. That felt at the time like a huge rejection, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That felt like, oh, you might as well 
toss me to the trash. <laughs> like, right. And, and, which you know, seemed to you I, I, pretty stupid at the time. <laughs> and, that, and that's what I was about to say. Like, you know, like with, not a with, big my, deal. with my upbringing, that didn't seem like a problem to me. Like, right. I think it seemed I even, normal I remember, to you. Like, I remember I told you about that time. Remember, we were walking out of the architecture building. Mm-hmm. I think we were on our way to the dining hall. <laughs> this is when I was still eating. We were on our way to the dining hall, <laughs> and I had a, a phone call with my with my mom. Now, look, my mom. Until you and I said I do, mm-hmm. she told me every single time she get on the phone with me. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember, you're a Christian first. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything that is going to jeopardize that. Right. You know, and especially like if she called me at like. 11 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and you and I are still up doing homework which means either I'm in your room or you're in my room Mm -hmm. and we're we're working Mm -hmm. she would always say remember you're a Christian first that's how she would always end every conversation Mm -hmm. she and I had remember you're a Christian and I remember early on this was like maybe our first year of dating we're on our way to the to the dining hall and I'm like hey Asia's here you want to say hello and then my mom goes, let's not do that right now. Mm-hmm. And, but obviously, with you walking right next to me and with me asking my mom if she wants to talk to you yeah. out loud and for her to refuse. kind of refuse it at that time, <laughs> you took it some type of way. I did. Now, I knew, I knew that me asking her that was going to be a difficult thing for her. I knew it. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, my parents did shock us. Like Daniel probably did not experience any of this stuff. <laughs> my little brother mm-hmm. did not experience any of this stuff. I we always joke around about how me and my siblings suffered so that way he can have everything that he has now. Mm-hmm. There are certain <laughs> things that my he just never experienced because mm-hmm. I, once it got to his Sheltered. his turn, <laughs> my parents were like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Maybe that's something we need to work on, and then they worked on it. Mm-hmm. But. For you, you were just like, why doesn't she want to talk to me? Does she not like the fact that we're... I'm like, "Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, all right. uh, Let's uh, put a pause on it. And it was like, no, 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 that's not it. It's just... That's just how we are. <laughs> that's just that's just how we are in, in our culture. Like for mm. her, especially within the Christian um, that Christian umbrella, it's just like for her. My mom is one of those people. It's just like I will keep continue. I'm glad you like this girl. I'm glad you guys are have a good relationship. But I will keep praying that if she is not the one for you, God get her out. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was my mom. Mm-hmm. That was our culture. That's what right. we grew up in. That's the household that I grew up in. So when I asked her, in the back of my head, I kind of knew what the answer was already going to be. So you set me up but for I was rejection. That <laughs> things have kind of changed. That is what it is. You know. But yeah, I felt some type of way. <laughs> oh, I know. But I didn't that, know that that, 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 that was that like. was a tough meal. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing. And again, in my head, I'm just like, oh, they hate me. Yeah. But the problem, too, is because I have an understanding of my culture, if I explain it to you the way that I understand it to you, just like, that doesn't make any sense. 
But to me, I'm just like, what do you mean it doesn't make sense? It makes perfect sense. That is just what everyone does. That's what my culture does. Like, I remember the time I told you when my dad dropped me off at school for the first time in college. And my dad hugged me. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Like, are you okay? My whole life. I don't think I've ever seen you hug. We've never hugged. We've never yeah. hugged. And now you're hugging Your dad me? dad hugging people is super awkward. It is really awkward. He does. It's not something he does often. <laughs> Except his grandchildren. His grandchildren, oh, you best believe he's going to hug the daylights out of them. But everybody else, my dad doesn't really hug. No. So when he hugged me, it was just like, okay, we don't got to do this. But, but are you dying? In that moment, I'm just like, oh, so this is because, again, in mm-hmm. our culture, men playing with their kids, not a thing. Mm-hmm. I said it doesn't happen, but it, it's not majority of the time. No, they have their kids. The woman takes care of the kids. They provide for the kids. And that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my dad was not, did not want to be a typical African man. Mm-hmm. He wanted to spend time. And I think a lot of African men in this country really have tried to kind of do away with that old old time thinking. Uh-huh. They want to spend time with their kids. My, I remember my dad being outside with us playing soccer on the grass with us. This mm-hmm. big man, you, you, you know my dad. My dad has always been big and right. kind of awkward looking if you think about it. And imagine that being all flimsy out on the field. It's weird. But he did it. He did it for us. He did it for his children. Now, when you're growing up and you see something one way so often, when it changes, you know, a.k.a. not getting the hugs, and all of a sudden me going to school and I'm I'm getting a hug, to me, I'm just like, you know, they're they're trying. Things are changing. So when I asked my mom, does she want to talk to you? I was hoping it would be one of those moments where it's just going to be like, hmm, okay, let me just say hello. Mm-hmm. But then she still said, <laughs> it was not one of those <laughs> moments. It was not one of those moments. And she said, no. And again, that made you feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. You know, because for you, it's just like, my dad would have, my dad would have said hello. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mom's not your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Our culture would have said, oh, that's another thing. I, I am Hispanic, too. I didn't yeah, talk about half, that. Half. Your mom was African-American, but your dad was Puerto Rican. Yeah, my mom is African-American. My t- family, t- my, my dad's family is Puerto Rican. They'd be throwing down. What, like, like food? Because anytime we go down to see, like, your Puerto Rican side, I'm just like, man, oh, I yeah. know I'm going back to about to be some good eats. My Puerto Rican side, we're always just a party, you know. Always. Like we're just we're just happy and fun and laughing and cracking jokes. There's always and alcohol. loud. There's always alcohol. <laughs> Except and at, lots at Willow, Willow. Of there wasn't it. alcohol there. Oh yeah, Willow and Willow, they didn't they didn't really drink. They didn't drink. Uh, they had alcohol in their house before, but they didn't drink it. Mm. Bacardi. Very Hispanic drink, yeah. <laughs> but but they didn't drink it. Uh, the only alcohol they drank was communion wine. <laughs> you know, uh, they did not keep alcohol in their house, but that's not to say that the rest of my family did not drink, and they can hold 
their liquor. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, if there's a party, there's always alcohol, unless it's a man with us. But um, but yeah, yeah, they're just they're fun, but they're Spanish, so they drink. They're Catholic, so. <laughs> so I was gonna say they're Catholic, so they drink. <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh god! But yes, they're Catholic, so <laughs> naturally, naturally they're constantly drinking. <laughs> no, but. Oh my goodness! I'm a, sorry to all our Catholic listeners. It's not a stereotype. It's not a stereotype. <laughs> but like, I don't know. We're Hispanic, so we're a party, I guess, all the time. We like to have fun. We like to have fun, and we do have fun when we're together. Mm. Except I don't drink, but I still have fun. <laughs> What you say? I said, except I don't drink, but I still have fun. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they're a riot, man. And then my mom's side was always pretty, pretty calm, cool, and collected. So I'm a mix of both, I guess. Yeah, that is true. I think when I met, when I finally met your mom's side, like your cousin, and mm-hmm. like. We all just kind of like had like a chill time, just, just kind of sitting there yeah. sharing stories. And, and again, Funny and chill. both of those, I enjoyed both of those experiences, mm-hmm. I would say equally. Mm-hmm. Because like there is, it's almost like us, we, you know, we don't drink, mm-hmm. but we can go into an environment where there might be alcohol mm-hmm. and still be the life of the party mm-hmm. and still really enjoy ourselves without having to consume and DD. Yeah, I'm, I'm always going to be the designated drivers. But in the same way, too, when we go to your <clears throat> your mom's side of the family, when mm-hmm. everything is calm, it's just like, okay, now we can still be ourselves mm-hmm. and enjoy the company. Like, it's just like, no matter where we go, we're always prepared to be enjoying ourselves. Enjoying ourselves. Yeah. But whatever, I don't know. There's, that's my culture, the Spanish. I mean, whatever, a Spanish and American of mm-hmm. sorts. I don't. I always feel weird talking about like my culture because I'm fifty fifty. So it's mm-hmm. like I can't talk about but one without say, talking about the other. I will say your culture is more American than anything else. Um, maybe the only time I think if you're not with your Spanish side of the family. You're more of an American culture. I see that, but that's the thing. Like, I, I'm one person with these different facets. It's not like you're more Spanish, you're more American. I just, it's I'm just a mutt. Yeah. I'm just me. <laughs> I'm just me. They're both in me. You know, mm. half of me eats cornbread and collard greens and macaroni and cheese. The other half of me. It's arroz and piste and pernil and pasteles. All delicious foods. Delicious foods. And that's just how it's going to be. Right. 
I think we've gotten to the end of it. Word, homie. All right, goodbye. <laughs> Word, homie. Claro que sí. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. If you stuck with us this this long. Part one, part two. I think we, we shared a lot with you, with you guys today. And I think for the most part, we... And again, we said it. We never really shared a lot of this part of ourselves with other people. Anybody? Yeah. We've shared it with each other. I think a lot of the details that we've shared here are stuff that we've shared with each other, but not with anyone many, else. Yeah, with anyone else. But again, one because of the th- it's none of your business. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things with this, with us wanting to do this podcast is, um, again, we're going to talk about relationships we're going to talk about cultures we're going to talk about christianity we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a whole bunch of topics but with us wanting to kind of focus on relationship to kind of start off Mm. we felt that it was important for us to quote-unquote be a little bit vulnerable with our ourselves just a tad just a tad now don't expect us to do that every time I mean here's here's the thing guys and I think what's kind of really cool and beautiful about our relationship is that um, it I I guess that the words that come to my mind are like perseverance and faith and love you know yes. um and just you know st- stay connected to god because <clears throat> we went through like a really whirlwind right, of a yeah. time confusing time we'll talk about that on another topic but uh, but yeah well anyway we went through a really whirlwind of a time but we still persevered we still kept the faith and we still loved and we made it through and it made us stronger we learned about ourselves while learning about each other Mm -hmm. and um you know it it really like it it's it brings to the the memory like what God has joined together, let no man separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the formation God God forming something and creating something is not always pretty. Like He made man from dirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And his breath, and then he made woman from his, the man's rib, and that already right there. I mean, like whatever. God has a freaking PhD in surgery. <laughs> PhD holders wish. He's the ultimate surgeon, but <laughs> but you know, in in any. Even if, like, you look in the Bible, in any instance, everyone went through 
something before they got where God was taking them. Mm-hmm. It's like with a like a diamond, how it there's pressure and fire and but then you have something beautiful at the end. <clears throat> That's how I feel about our story a little bit. Is that, you know, like Moses, he was struggling with he was struggling with his temper. He was struggling with um feeling adequate. And then God turned him into a leader of a nation, a whole nation. And like delivered that whole nation out of bondage, you know? <clears throat> and in the same way, in a relationship, two imperfect people who are trusting in God come together and they dedicate their lives to one another while still dedicating their lives to Him, trusting Him that He's going to take them through all their circumstances for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, sickness and health, all that jazz, right? And you make that commitment to one another eventually at the altar. And that's what it's about. So for the rest of our lives, we're going to persevere. We're going to have faith and we're going to love each other. We're going to have a free time doing it. Here, here. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for joining. Uh, Bye. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.